Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. Today, I have a guest on who may quite possibly have the best first name of all time. His name is also Ken, Dr. Smiley. Ken Roshan will be joining us here in a minute. So stay with us and do me a favor and share this out. Share it everywhere. This is going to be great. See you in a minute. And we are back. Let me bring Ken on. Ken, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Ken. It's always nice to connect with another Ken. It is always nice to connect with another Ken. You know, I had um, Judge Ken Starr on the show several months back. And when he came on, I said, you know, um, I did a poll and it appears that you have the best first name ever. <laughs> and you know, not everyone can uh, can go that distance. Sometimes they have to add a T, Kent, or they have to add a Ya for Kenya. I mean, there's just all kinds of versions that they go with just to get close to us. My oldest daughter's name is Kenna, K-E-N-N-A. Kenna. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. And it wasn't my idea to name her that, for the record. Really? So, so Ken, I started this show... Coming up on four years now. Jeez, I can't believe it's been four years. I've interviewed over 400 celebrities and entrepreneurs. And um, it literally, this show, I created it to help people get unstuck in life. And, and I think that by hearing other people's stories of how they got stuck and what they did to get unstuck, um, because everybody goes through it, right? Everybody goes through the crap in life, like exactly. everybody. Mm -hmm. So why don't you start with telling everybody where you were born and raised? Well, it was a short stint in Warwick, Rhode Island. I was born there and stayed there a whopping two months. My dad was an army officer, just got his first commission to go to France. So we were in the outskirts of Paris. Uh, I don't recall it very well. <laughs> and uh, I was I was the product of being an army brat. I spent uh, almost my entire childhood, 13 years of it, at least uh, outside the U.S. with a couple of skips here and there to my brother was born in Arizona and we Fort Huachuca and then back out to Germany for five years. And when I moved to the States, it was actually a, a very tough move for me. First of all, I didn't even know what it was like to be an American or live with, uh, I guess, citizens of America. I only knew how to live with a fellow army brats or military brats. And I had played soccer two or three hours a day, every day. And when my dad said we were going to America, I said, hey, as long as they got soccer there. Well, they didn't have wow. soccer here. <laughs> yeah. No, back in the day, soccer wasn't a thing here in the U.S. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Now it's everywhere. <clears throat> it is everywhere. Yeah. You know, uh, I didn't know even the word discrimination, because if you were an army brat, 
every color was cool as long as they were army or they were navy or they were whatever yeah. in fact yeah. it was only a distinction of what what branch you were serving and you were against the germans if you were playing soccer it was americans against germans and that's the way it was wow. and when i moved to the states I, I actually was awakened that there is such a thing called discrimination did not know it existed as a naive 13 year old i mean it was really strange wow now where, where ben gay the third is watching and he's one of my favorite people he so, is. So where did you um so you moved to the states where to? Where where did you land, end up landing? Uh moved to a small town, Galesburg, Illinois. They have a college, Knox College, where my dad did his final duty assignment as an ROTC officer. Um okay. that's kind of their way of saying you're not gonna make colonel's list. <laughs> yeah. Well, Galesburg <laughs> is one of my favorite places. I'm kidding. I've never been there, never even heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 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 uh, about two and a half hours southwest of Chicago, near Peoria, okay. kind of the Quad Cities, all yeah. kinds of places. It was it was famous for decalb uh, corn. I mean, I used to detassel corn in the in the summer. So, and sweet I corn or 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 livestock corn. Uh, sweet there's, sweet there's, corn. There's a difference, yeah. right? Oh, there is a difference, yeah. and I yeah. I won't say that uh, it was not both. It was probably both too. Yeah. So you you said you were thirteen. Yep. I, I was 12 when I moved to the States. Yes. Okay. Oh, 12. So how long did you stay in Illinois? Yeah. Five years and, okay. uh, was, was deeply depressed actually, Ken, uh, this soccer yeah. thing was like my life. I thought I was going to be a pro soccer player. I was playing even at the age of 12, I was playing with high school soccer players. They let me play with them because I was, I was pretty good. And, uh, and so for two and years, for those, for those watching overseas right now or listening, you're referring to what they call football. Yes, <laughs> right? exactly. Well, I mean, we have somebody, we have somebody in Bangladesh watching. They, yeah, that's, <laughs> it's a little different over there. But so, so, so you, you really, you got depressed because of the whole soccer thing. Yeah, that was my life. That was my identity. And my dad talked to a, a captain at Knox College and he says, you know, why don't you have your son come out and run? Uh, there's a runner's club. And I apprehensively agreed. And I smoked like, I don't know, three or three to five miles, like nothing. It was just nothing for me. And there, the coach of the high school cross country team said, you should try out. I did. I finished state. Uh, I went state three times and uh, then moved to Fort Meade, Maryland and ended up being the only person in my school that went to state three times in one year for running. Wow. So I was at least at least 60 pounds, maybe 70 pounds lighter than I am now. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I got the COVID 20 and I got 50, I got 50 years for one pound for each year on top of it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I hear you. So, so, so you, can I, can I actually, uh, can I interject about Ben Gay the third? Yes, please. Um, he is one of my favorite people. I mean, he made that comment about us, but I have to say, um, Ben wrote a forward to a book of mine called Umbrella Marketing. It was about how you amplify messages using social proof. And he yeah. was kind enough, uh, being the king of closers, to write the forward for that book. And I'm indebted to him. He's a, he's a wonderful friend. And I don't get to see him nearly enough, but he is such a, a, a brilliant man. Well, he is absolutely brilliant. He, he was one of my first probably 20 guests on the show wow. years ago. Yeah, Ben is amazing. Love that guy. And he's brilliant. He's totally. Well, and he, I he think he's extremely system. underrated. 
Like, <laughs> right? Insanely. Like, yes. there's, there's not enough people that know who Ben Gay the Third is. No, and they get confused with the product, and I'm like, you are so far off. <laughs> he was way ahead of that. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. So, so, so you eventually in your teenage years, you, I'm assuming you, um, at some point got through the depression. I did. When, when I started running, uh, the dopamine kicked off and I found a new drug that actually worked, which was, uh, long distance running. So I, wow. I did one marathon, one and only, but I, I did it in under four hours. I just didn't want to do that long of a run anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. That, don't that was a bucket list item. Uh, yeah yeah i have a hard time running up the stairs um now <laughs> i'm kidding that's not well anyway we'll talk about that later so 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 you um so you got i'm assuming you graduated high school i did the dr and smiley you, is uh where did you graduate runner. from i graduated from mead high school in, in 1982 1982 no, I mean in what city? <laughs> oh, Fort Meade, Maryland. Fort Meade, Maryland. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, I thought I said so, that I went to Fort Meade, Maryland. Sorry. Okay, I missed that. So we we had we threw Ben Gay into the mix and and <laughs> we got lost there. So so you you graduated from high school. Did you end up going to college then from there? Yeah, I was a very confused college student. I I went to like five colleges, uh, two hundred and forty credits, and just could not figure out what I wanted to be, but I did go to a lot of college. Um, wow. Studied medical illustration for five years. Um, it was my way of feeding my left and right brain. I, I got to two art grants to go to college. Medical with, illust illustration? <laughs> those are those boring drawings in medical books. Oh. I was that Okay. So, wow. Yeah, I was an illustrator. I, I loved drawing and, and I love science. So the only way I could put them together was that particular field. But when I went to Johns Hopkins in the latter part of my schooling and I went through military, uh, I went through ROTC at Johns Hopkins, I, I found out how boring that field is. And I, I, I jumped out my fifth year. So, yeah, I, I went back to uh, UMBC, University of Maryland, Baltimore campus, got my education certification to teach science in uh, K-12. And I, I taught eighth grade physical science, which is, I must say, the best course in the entire world. You know why? Why? Because it's the study of matter and energy. I mean, does it get any better than that? It, um, yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's extremely exciting. No, actually, the first day I, I make stuff explode. I, I promise you, the kids are awakened in my class the first day. I, I, I explode uh, ethanol in a. In a <laughs> five gallon tub and and i say hey if i pour this little liquid it's just a couple drops in there is anything gonna happen they're like no and i let it the fumes build up and then i throw a little match in and it goes boom <laughs> oh my god that wakes them up that wakes them up yeah i said yeah. we're gonna have some fun this is gonna be a blast oh you know what i uh, um actually that's a kind of cool conversation because a lot of kids say what you just said about science chemistry and physics like put your yeah. finger in your mouth and vomit yeah. and i said i said to the Ooh. kids if how many of you love science? And I only had one sheepishly kind of put his hand up a little bit when I said, how many of you hate science? And a lot of hands went up. And I said, okay, and this is eighth grade. You guys are going to have a miserable time moving forward in your education if you don't like numbers, you don't like science, all that stuff. So I said, do you know what the word hypocrite means? And in this particular class, they did not. In most of the class, they did not know what the word hypocrite meant. And I said, yeah. It's when you say you love something, but you really don't, or you really hate something, but you really don't. Like you're the opposite yeah. of what you're saying. 
And I said, I will believe you that you don't like science, that you hate it even, if you promise not to use science tomorrow at all. No science. Right. And we were able to enlighten them that science is their iPads, their video, their <laughs> their TVs, yeah. their clothes, their shampoo, their, their toothbrush, their toothpaste, everything. So I said, if anyone comes to school naked and smelly, I will believe that you do not like science. In fact, you even hate it. Right, right. You know, science is the, the, well, not science. Science is not the reason. Back when I was 17, I would have believed that science was the reason. But I didn't graduate high school because I didn't get a biology credit in 10th grade. And, and, and I, I, it's not that I hated science. I hated the study of science in that particular class. I and would so, almost argue. I would almost argue, Ken, sorry to interrupt, but I would almost argue you had the wrong professor or teacher. Uh, you know, um, yeah, probably. But uh, again, it's, it's um, you know, I love what Jim Rohn said because I can, I, for years, I, I had Brian Tracy on the show about a month or so ago and, and him and I have that in common. Neither one of us graduated high school. Um, he's a whole lot more famous than I am, but we, neither one graduated high school. But I, I can tell you that at, at i don't know 34 35 years old i became extremely i became obsessed with science i became mm. obsessed with with um quantum physics and energy and every i just i i became obsessed with it so um you know everything comes around i think in 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 life jim Rohn said the you know that we the the best education is self education you know and so i've Agreed. i've spent a lifetime working on that but yes, Debbie agrees with you teachers that can inspire R and I totally agree. It's so important. So important. Well, if I can make one more shout out to a teacher that will never hear this, cause I don't know how to find him, but his name was Mr. Engel. He looked like Lenin from Russia, the Russian president. And he wow. was my fifth grade science teacher. And he was a mean son of a gun. He was strict, never smiled. And he was so hard. I barely, I don't think I even, I barely passed the class. I got a C or a D in his class. And I said, science is for the birds. Well, I didn't know that he taught me so much that I would be an A student in sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. I mean, yeah. I never had a problem with science after his class. He was the only class in science that I actually was almost intimidated to be in because it was so high level. And I don't know what he, I don't know what he was thinking, but he taught kids to be like high school students already <laughs> or, or <Wow>. college. <laughs> That's you know, awesome. my son... Um, my son during the pandemic he was six and by age seven we worked on the chemicals on the periodic table he knows almost all of them he knows their atomic number he knows what they are used for in the world and he Jeez. comes across this brilliant kid but honestly it was me teaching him that chemicals rock this world i mean that's that's what makes things work yeah wow that's impressive very impressive i feel so um inferior <laughs> well like, well ken we're gonna we're gonna work on this during the summer because you're <laughs> because you're a fellow ken you get whatever you need okay <laughs> right right so so well i'm yeah you, i'm gonna i have an 11 year old and a 16 year old i'm gonna have you tutor them <laughs> how about that it would, so it would not only so, be my pleasure ken kenny could actually help him a little bit if you wanted that's awesome man so so you um so you went through you did you go right because i know you have your phd did you go right from undergrad into phd school i mean what where where no, was it, the, path? 
the the pandemic was the answer to something I'd always wanted to do. So I took the I took the year. Uh, I remember you saying you're a, a night owl. You go to bed at two. I was getting up at two. I got in the habit during the pandemic of getting up at two o'clock every morning and working until six or seven on my uh, on my dissertation. And wow, it became it became a rhythm. It became something I was so excited about that I I I, I pounded out in a year. It was really fun. Wow, that's incredible, man. So uh, okay. So you just got your PhD recently. I did. Then. I got it. I That's got it. Awesome. In 20, Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. I wasn't going to be on your show unless I had it. I mean, it was very important. Right. That well, and we <laughs> talked a couple years ago about this. I said, hey, man, like, no, not until you get your PhD. <laughs> I know. And I took it to heart. So thank you for that pep talk, by the way. But it was the push you needed. I, I knew that intuitively. Um, so, so, um, Brad Leland, do you know him? He's a very famous actor, buddy of mine. What's yeah, the there's... truth in science about these? Well, that's a whole yeah, other. That is a whole other topic. We could do a whole other podcast could... on that. Oh, we could um, do a season on that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, so talk about you. So you went through undergrad. I'm assuming you graduated from college. Your your undergrad back then. Yep. Um, I decided to I decided to fail out two semesters though. I just wanted to see what it was like if you fail out. So I I was on double yeah. probation on my second one. Well, you yeah, I mean that's just part of life, right? <laughs> so I, I find it interesting though, Ken. I think that that there's there's all and and Brian Tracy talked about this on the show too. I, I think that there's something that always happens in childhood or maybe an event or a person. Um, that, that pushes us in the direction that we end up going as adults. Does anything come to mind for you when I, when I say that? A couple things. Um, one is I was treated like I was very different and very stupid. And I was put in a, a little chair against a corner in my second grade uh, army public school. And the rest of the kids learned while I drew. She gave me a pad, blank paper, and says, draw. And I drew all day, and I became a damn good artist. That did wow. not help me learn, but it did help me get creative. That's all I can say about that. Then later in my high school, I had, um, I had an art teacher that uh, nominated me for some art scholarships, which I got. And, uh, and then, of course, Mr. Engel I was referring to, I, I've always wanted to thank him because you, you don't know you're getting a gift from somebody, especially in an army school system that you're supposed to say, Hey, can I have your number away to reach you later? But he was such a, he was not the person I thought I'd ever want to contact and say thank you to, but he did change my life. He's probably an avid watcher of this program. So you, I would you'll... guess so. I mean, with a name like Engel, you know, you know, he's I'm... like got the eagle eyes in this show. Him and Laura, they both. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Charles Coachman said, I'm still on double secret probation. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That is hilarious. So, so, so you, you grab, what was your degree in? It ended up being general studies of all things. I, I had so many credits. General? I could go, I could stay one more semester and, and graduate with a BS in three different topics. I had 220 credits. I, I mean, you need 120 to get out of college. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I, 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 and I was taking classes, master's classes, but I couldn't afford them. So I was just with the master's students and I was taking them as an undergrad. So I could have gotten a master's in education with how many education classes I took. Wow. I love to learn. I'll tell you, I'll tell you uh, who I am as a hack. I am a hack. 
the community colleges, when I started there, because I said, I'm not, I can't afford a four-year college. I'm going to knock out all my grunt work in the community college. They had a deal that after you do 15 credits, everything's free. So I would sign up for 30 credits. And they had never seen anything like it. And I said, you don't have a rule about how many credits you can take. And they said, yeah, but there's a certain amount. If you take too many, you're not going to be able to focus on each class. I said, you have to at least give me a chance. They did. And I got a 3-2 three, three, average. It wasn't phenomenal, but I was able yeah. to pass every class with an A or B. And so I, I was in an approval from that point on to take 20 and 30 credit loads, and I didn't have to pay for half my classes. Wow. So you you um, you got out of college eventually. And is that <laughs> when you is, is Yeah, that seven years later. You, yeah. Seven years later. Seven years later with a with a BS. Oh, it, oh, it gets better. Um, I, wow. I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, so I did my thing with entrepreneurism, and I Hold said, it, you that's know, that's not when you started teaching. It is not. I taught two years. I taught three years later. I, I talked to mommy and daddy after uh, doing my entrepreneurial thing, and I said, hey, I, I want to buy a house, and they said, well, you need a, a more steady income than an entrepreneur. So I said, well. I would be open to teaching science and I would need to move back in. So I moved back into my mom and dad's house at age 28, went oh to UMBC, God. went to UMBC, wow. got a 4.0 average on in one year of education. Um, and from there, I, uh, I went to PG County, which was the best school system for giving me the best job. I worked for a guy named Kevin Sawyer, who was like the, uh, Morgan Freeman and lean on me. I mean, you could not tell the difference of their mentality. It was so wow. special. So I became a department chair my first year, 22 teachers underneath me. I uh, had a $24,000 budget to spend on science supplies. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better job. Remember, I had a 4.0 average going into this this uh, interview. Wow. Because when I went back to school, I took it all I took it all over again. If I had a B in a class or a C, I just took it over again and got an A. So I could go back to any interview and say, you're not going to get anyone better than me. I have a 4.0 average in science. Wow. I may have to try over and over, but nobody's better. <laughs> it's you know, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with no, it. No, nothing. That's life. Again, that's life. You, yeah, you know, uh, when I taught science, uh, Ken, you would be a student that would have probably gotten a lot of value out of it because I focused more on what kids didn't learn instead of what they yeah. did learn. So when they when they took a test and they made mistakes, they could turn in the corrections for those mistakes and have one letter grade higher. Yeah. On their, wow. And I thought that was the way of saying, hey, I care about what you're not learning. And then I yeah. want you to care about that, too. That's awesome, man. So so you talk about the entrepreneur. So you get out of college eventually and and you you be, you want to be an entrepreneur. Talk about that. What did you do? What what's Oh, I mean? wanted to be an entrepreneur uh, ever since I was 12 when I read Tom Sawyer by uh, Mark Twain. <laughs> Let, let's bring up something though. Let's let's let, for the younger generation that's listening or watching the word entrepreneur did not exist back when we were becoming entrepreneurs. It, <laughs> it mean, might've it just, did, it, yeah, it was, it was kind of a new buzzword that was coming into play. I would say, yeah. Yeah, I think you're actually yeah. right. Uh, in 1979, a guy named Dr. Jim Omps uh, actually created a, an accredited college course and it became a master's and then a PhD program called entrepreneurology. Really, I can't. Yes, even say the, that. the study, Entrepreneurology. the study. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing's so cool about it is the study of why businesses uh, succeed or fail, and it's the study of what books you should read to understand why businesses succeed or fail. <clears throat> so I did my most of my dissertation on Smile. That's why Dr. Smiley became part of it. I created a concept, a hypothesis 
of what is your SPH? So SPH stands for, of course, smiles per hour. So a business uh, that has a higher frequency of smiles per hour is a business that will typically have higher retention, higher loyalty with the customers, um, just no high esprit de corps. I mean, just everything is really hitting high notes with a high smiles per hour. And by the way, that's for your personal life too. I believe it. Do you see what Debbie says? I am reading. <laughs> yes, I, I tell you, they didn't like me in the, they, they said, Mr. Roshan, your class is the class I will fail and continue to go to my next grade. So there is a, <laughs> there is um, also the hack of that because in the PG County school system, you could fail two classes, I believe. And they said, you're too much work. So we're going to go ahead and let you be a, an E. And by the way, I finally left uh, PG County and school teaching because I, I just didn't understand that they didn't want their kids to benefit from real grading and they were just pushing them through the system and that doesn't so help horrible. anybody and what happens is they can't get into college because they can the kids i had in my eighth grade could not read on the th third grade reading level so i took it, it upon myself to work on that with them that's why i i i you know and i i don't want to go too far off into the entitlement <laughs> world um but there there is a tremendous amount of that flying around in our world today and, and I, you know, I had, I had a teacher and this is how teachers are so important. Um, but they, they bring their egos into these, these, I, I, my opinion, this, this just sidebar, my opinion, a lot of teachers will bring their egos in. I, I've seen it with, with my daughters where, where teachers literally argue with them about, a spelling of a word and my my youngest daughter was right and the teacher was 1000% wrong right. and and it was a and it, my wife ended up having to call the superintendent and go look my daughter spelled this word correctly <laughs> and the, anyway so um you and I remember I had a teacher that told me I an English teacher that told me I would never amount to anything I was you may find this hard to believe but I was a very troubled student <laughs> and 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 I and I've written three books, co-authored four other books with Bernie, Doctor Bernie Siegel, and some other amazing people. And she's never written a book, so. You know, I think those teachers can <clears throat> are a gift to the education system in a weird way because I have met so many people that say I had a teacher that said I won't mount to anything, and they only remembered that teacher making that challenge. They'd mount to nothing. And they, they want to prove the teacher wrong. I'm not for that type of conversation, that type of attitude. And in fact, my kids, when they would ask me a question, and by the way, in the word science, the world of science, <clears throat> that is a very open Wikipedia, Googleable um, study of, of everything. And yeah. they would ask me a question. And I said, I don't know. And they said, but Mr. Roshan, you're a science teacher. And I said, I actually don't know everything about science. There's a lot I don't know about science or I would have that whole degree across of all the different branches. There's like, there's probably a hundred branches of science, but there's 16 very big branches of science that you could get degrees and PhDs in. But my point is that when they would ask me a question and I didn't know it, I said, if you find it out, you get credit. So they would mm. teach the class. And I was very happy to tell people what I didn't know because it caused them to understand that we're working together to learn. And I, and I looked at it as a yeah. gift they were giving me. That's that's see, that's brilliant. That's brilliant, man. Well, the difference is, I <clears throat> yeah, but you know, the, the, the teacher you're talking about, this ex-teacher yeah, is a teacher yeah. that is unfortunately probably in the, in the realm of um, those that can do and those that can't teach. And that's a very, 
harsh thing to say, but there are some teachers that have never experienced life. They've literally gone from student to teacher and they never got to experience life. I was a military officer. <laughs> I had a thriving uh, entertainment business. I could afford to actually teach. And by the way, I, I say that meaning back then they were paying teachers about $30,000. That's a choice of having a car and apartment or having a house and no car. I mean, yeah. there's, there's, there's choice yeah. you have to make about how you spend 30 K. Yeah. Yeah. And <clears throat> I, uh, I eventually in my fourth year, my 30K did not even pay for the postage of my entertainment company because we would send out these beautiful, illustrious packets yeah. with $3,000, you know, proposals in it. So I feel for teachers, you lose the top teachers because they say, I can't afford it. I can't afford to be here to make a difference in the world. My, my wife, her brother, my wife's brother and his wife are both teachers and here locally where we live. And, 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 you know, it's, it's amazing hearing some, hearing it from that side is, is, you know, when, when you, you understand the student side, but then to hear it from the teacher side is, it's interesting. Well, I found that any teacher that was able to have a career that was also enjoying the career and doing something great with the career, they typically had a spouse that could afford that career. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Now, of course, if you so, get through your years, you you, you do do all right. Yeah, there. sure. You, you end up making more. But the, so so the the you threw in something that caught me a little bit there. You said I was a military officer. Yes, did, I, I went did, through RTC. Did I? Did I did. I went through ROTC at Johns Hopkins and I got commissioned as a, a second lieutenant. I didn't do a whole lot with it. I just wanted really the experience, the resume piece. And I wanted uh, I wanted to be ready if there was ever a problem that I could actually be a leader. So y you were in the military? I was. <clears throat> Mainly, like... I, I went through officer basic course, transportation <clears throat> officer. I don't brag about it at all. This is, I mean... I played, I, I, I flew at the lowest level because I really love being an entrepreneur. So I, I put all my energy in my entertainment company. I had options. I mean, this is very strange, but ironically, I picked one of the best occupational uh, studies, transportation, because it was over, it was over flooded, oversaturated. Yeah. They didn't need all of us. So I would get options of, hey, do you want to go to your two weeks this year in Alaska? And I said, you're asking me, I have a choice. And they said, yes, you have a choice. I said, I will elect not to. And I never wow. got in trouble for it. I basically phased myself out in seven years. That's what happened. Wow. So, so, okay. Oh, but can I, I will say something that's related to the education and the tangent of what we just went on. My kids found out I was a military officer and they said, you would die for your country. And I said, that's what you are willing to do when you go in the military. And they yeah. said, no way. I didn't have one kid out of 150 kids that said they would fight for our country. That talk about entitlement. That was a very strange situation. I was in a school system where I didn't think it was, it was not our school system. I think it's these school systems are not teaching that we have schools, we have education, we have freedom, we have all this stuff to, to love because someone fought for our freedom. Some, and many died for it. And, yes, and I, I think, I think that, that it's, it's, I, you know, I wrote in my first book, one of my favorite quotes is pain is the predecessor of all wisdom. And, and unfortunately, um, I, I don't know if it was Shakespeare who uh, somebody way smarter than me said that one of the greatest disservices we do to our children is steal away their hunger. And, mm. and, you know, it's created so much, so much entitlement and it's our fault it's not their fault we would have been the same way had our parents handed us everything and not made us work for it i i make sure my son 
gets paid for things he does. I mean, when he get when he finishes a book, he gets the the benefits of selling that book and keeping the money and spending it as That's he wishes. Awesome. That's awesome. How old is your son? He is now eight. He has his sixth book coming out called <clears throat> Kenny's Favorite Places in America. And wow. I will make sure you get copies of these books. Oh my gosh. He's eight and he has a sixth book coming out. Ken, it gets a little better than that. And by the way, he really did do these books. He really did them because I told him, you're not getting your name on the front cover unless you know the material inside. So he has to know 50% of the material inside. For instance, there's 206 flags. He knows 100 of them. Uh, there's 118 chemicals on the periodic table. He knows 60 of them. I mean, he really does know this stuff. He knows oh sign language. He can do the uh, military alphabet, alpha, bravo, charlie, delta, and he can do it in 27 seconds. He's, But he, he rehearses stuff. And, and I worked with him to show him there's nothing you can't learn there's nothing you can't learn so he's he's a he's like a young engineer type he, he looks at things my my wife will say hey this isn't working can you fix it and i said i'll try and my son will look at it and watch and i'll say i don't know i have to think about this later and, and my son will say i think i can fix it and he will fix it right in front of us he is he's oh extraordinary wow, and and, so and at awesome. first my wife would say something like Kenny, this is something that's really difficult to fix. Let your dad fix it later. And I said, let him try. And he does it, and he fixes it so quick. I'm like, that is amazing, Kenny. Great job. You know, I um, <clears throat> I, I think he may be genetically predispositioned, though. So <laughs> I would argue that, Ken. I would argue that. You know why? <laughs> there's, a, there's a book that I'm sure you've read, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, Tipping Point and Outliers. Yeah, and yeah. I I turned my my son on to circuitry, electrical circuitry at age three. He didn't understand yeah. it, but I turned him on to the concept. So he looked yeah. at why things work and why they don't work. So I don't think it's genetic. Yeah. I think it's just what when are you experiencing things and how often are you experiencing them? Sure, sure. Wow. Amazing. I'll share something actually about my son that shows the the shift in it not being genetic. Would you like to hear it? Sure. My son was an introvert. He did not like to be photographed. He did not like his voice recorded. He hated his voice. Did not want to be videotaped. If you videotaped him, he'd run away. And then he'd come back and he would demand that you take it off your phone, that you delete it in front of him. He was very, very clear. He did not want to be recorded or photographed. This is age six. Pandemic happens. March 20th, I lose 378 events. I have two crazy people that are keeping their events. One finally folds. I have one event that actually paid me that year, one. And... It was the Energy Science Technology Conference, which I was so excited. They were rebels. They said, you know, we're, we're going to do this event. But um, my son, I said, hey, Kenny, why don't you, you love to laugh. You love jokes. Let's make a joke book. And here is actually the book. It's right here. Let me see. Come on. And by the way, this is not a joke book. Like just, it's kind of fun. Oh my gosh. Dude, What? And and he he came up with all the material, meaning he 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 searched it on Google, and here's his uh here's his own jokes in the back. You see Kenny's originals. Oh my god! Can I read one of Can I read one of Kenny's originals? Read a bunch of them. Okay, um, I, I want to see your expression. So can we do Divi screen on this one? Because I want to ask you the question and you answer it if you can. Go ahead. What did What did the real donkey say to the fake donkey? Want to play? <laughs> These are his original jokes, Ken. That <laughs> took me um, a second. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, let me see. Why did the wabbit cross the road? I don't know. Because he was stuck to the car's wheel. I mean, these are his originals. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one for you. This is my favorite in the book. That is That's his terrible. original. 
I know it is. I know it is. Um, why did the man take a bath? Because he was a stinky poo. So, so this is when he would do a joke, he would tell me a joke. I say, Kenny, you have to write that down on an index card. This has got to go wow. in the book. This is great material. So my favorite jokes in the book are, of course, the ones that I just read. And um, what's interesting, though, Ken, and the reason I'm bringing this up is you said the genetic inheritance that you get. And I, and I said, well, we all know that it's a bit the tipping point, too. So my son, when he did the book, I asked him, hey, Kenny. And I didn't ask him. I told him. I said, Kenny, you have to tell a joke on one of my podcasts. I'm going to be on a podcast with somebody. I want you to tell a joke. And I'd already gotten approval from the person. They said, sure, we'd love to have Kenny tell a joke. So Kenny was like, I don't want to do it. And I said, no, I know you don't want to do it. I get that. But do you want to sell your joke book? And he says, yeah. I said, everyone that does a joke book or any type of book, they have to tell their jokes so that people know it's funny. And then they go buy the book. And so right. apprehensively, he agrees. He says, OK, I'll do it. So he reads the he's, he actually read it. I think he couldn't memorize it yet. Memorize it yet. He said. What did the bison, what did the, uh, I'm sorry, what did the buffalo say to his son as he was going to school? Bison. Bison. I gave the punchline backwards. That's how, he's a much better joke teller than I am. So anyway, he tells the joke, the, the, uh, the podcaster just eats it up, is That's laughing funny. so much. And he said, she says, Let, read another one. And so he reads another one. And by the third one, he turns to me, smiles, and I could see the ham coming out of him. He never had an issue again of being videotaped, telling a joke, um, being photographed, complaining about his voice, nothing. He made a transformation because that book caused him to actually feel confidence. I, right. And I get that, but I still believe in genetic predispositioning. <laughs> All Sorry. right. I do. Well, uh, there, 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 there's something to that. I don't look, I, you know, I'm a recovered alcoholic with almost 20 years sober and I, I am 100% positive that there is a gene in, in the, in the, in the, in the anyway. I think, um, no, I think you're right. There's a, there's a, there's a clicker that when you activate it, but time helps you create the addiction bigger or the, the strength yes. or the weakness of that bigger. And I yes. agree with you. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. So, so go back to, um, so how long did you teach again? How long were you? Well, just four years. Uh, by the four fourth years. year, I, I just did not see I was making the impact I intended to be making. So, I, well, I guarantee you probably were, and you know, this, that, you know, the, you're every, I, I believe every day we wake up, we're a different person than we were the day before. So, Agreed. um, I'm sure you made a tremendous impact in a lot of lives, but the, you know, when you left the teaching arena, um, and it was at a public school, right? It was. Yep. Yeah. So you, you left the teaching school arena. Well, because you're still a teacher. Um, but where did you go from there? What what happened? I mean, ha yeah, I just I just dove into my entertainment company. Um, so I at, at age 18, I moved to Fort Meade, if you recall. And I met a, another gentleman. His name was Jim Burt. And I said, hey, you know, let's let's create a business there's so much opportunity in this area uh, the dmv district uh, dc maryland virginia area is just like bleeding money from the government is feeding all these government contracts there's just a ton of abundance a ton of opportunity if you can find a problem to solve you're going to be in business it's that easy yeah. so i started a dj company and i started a, um, a a graphic arts company graphic arts fed my art side the DJ company fed my addiction to music because I was I love music. I have behind me is part of it. I have uh, about a quarter million dollar library of music 
Let me uh, hold on. Let me do a full screen so I can see that. Are those all CDs? Oh, there's there's actually about forty or fifty boxes. Uh, there's some boxes just full with CDs. Yeah, and oh. by the way, my vinyl collection is um, even more remarkable. I actually wow. bought all my vinyl onto digital because I couldn't stand the fact that I couldn't get to it that quickly. Now you're really going to think this is sick. I bought all my digital after I bought my CD. So wow. I, I bought music three times. I tell yeah. people that you can never accuse me of not feeding the artist that actually feeds me because <laughs> I pay for my music. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm with so you. So I, I started the DJ company at, at age 18. At the wow. time that uh, I was 28, 10 years later, my company was making enough money that I could actually afford to teach. So I didn't need a teaching check. It was, Got it. And I went into the classroom saying, hey, I'm here to teach you science by choice. I have a business. I have a military background. You will learn a lot from me if you are here to learn. And so we, uh, <clears throat> we just had a conversation about there's no excuses in my class. If you ever give an excuse, you will do this very long, um, you'll do this very long mantra about the bottom line, meaning in the bottom line, it doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter that uh, you, you've had all these circumstances happen to you. It only matters that you don't make that an excuse for your success. So I taught them that and they had to write that. Believe it or not, I don't think there's one kid that made more than one excuse. Meaning when they hit two, they were like, I don't want to write this again. I'm never making an excuse, Mr. Roche. Right. <laughs> I love that, man. I love that. The, the bottom line was believe in yourself. And that's why yes. don't make an excuse. And take responsibility. Amen. Amen. I got to tell you, I, 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 I hate to keep bringing up Brian Tracy, but he is one of my heroes. Um, but And you he's know, a key he, smiler. I've taken a picture of him with the key smiler. Oh, have you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. And I'm in your book. I can't even believe yes. I'm in your book. That's amazing. Because we met, we met down at Craig Doeswalt's event. Yeah, I was going to say, we, I want to give a shout out to Craig because he assembles some of the neatest people. I mean, all leader based, all heart driven. I mean, just yeah. really cool people. You cannot not make a friend at his place. It's impossible. I met so many amazing people at that event. Um, but, but you, um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something about it was Brian Tracy, Brian Tracy. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. Um, he said he, one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard. He said, the moment that we take, start taking responsibility for everything, everything in our lives is the moment we go from being a child to an adult. 100% correct. And Brilliant. when you take responsibility for everything, you actually get the power to be rewarded with that. For instance, if you make a mistake in a relationship or you make a mistake with a customer, when you take yeah. full responsibility for it, you get to have that relationship still. Yes. Thank you. Amen. 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 And amen. Charles <laughs> Coachman wants to know what, genre is the bulk of your music um it would be top 40 because i was a, a joel whitburn fanatic i got, bought all his books and i would use the yellow marker to make sure i i bought it and if it was not a yellow market i found out where i could buy that so it was mainly top 40 i was uh, personally a rocker though i loved acdc and blue oyster cold i loved yellow electric light orchestra was my favorite but later in my career um i i didn't burn out but i i had evolved to the point that i was one of the top DJs in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area for American music. Wow. So I decided to go around the world. I went to 104 countries with an empty suitcase and would bring back music from each country. And so wow. I became a world DJ from that experience. I'm friends with Casey Kasem's daughter. Are you really? Carrie, yeah, she's amazing. Oh, Casey Kasem is, oh. I mean, there's no one that has that longevity. And he is, Nobody. he's, 
he's brilliant. I he mean, I, we lived the... off him in this. We lived off him in the seventies in Germany. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can remember my older sister and I. I mean, we'd we every Saturday you're waiting on Casey Kasem. It was yes. the, the America's top forty. It was crazy, man. People I'm, don't. I'm sure get that. It. I'm sure that Joel Whitburn and him were like this because Joel Whitburn provided the trivia in his books that I, I think that uh, Casey uh, would give acknowledge that the trivia yeah. was from him. That's that's insane. Um, Jeffrey Gittimer, who I wrote a yes. book with. Jeffrey is a friend of mine. He's a friend with Jeff Lynn. Uh, well, I know he is. He uh, Jeff Jeffrey Gittimer uh, used to do concerts, uh, live concerts, and he, he met Jeff Lynn, and yeah. that was a great story. And I'll tell you, if I – at the very, very top of my list is Jeff Lynn. I think he's the most brilliant musician of all time. You do know that he created the Traveling Wilburys. Yeah. And he also relaunched Tom Petty, George Harrison, uh, Bob Dylan, and Roy Orbison within one year of making the Traveling Wilburys. All their careers not only relaunched, but they were considered some of the best uh, music that ever came out for those people. Wow, that was before Soul Train. <laughs> yeah. That was before Soul Train. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great comment. I don't know if you know Jay Fox. He was at the event. Yeah, he was at Craig's event. Jay is a nationally syndicated radio DJ that had, um, I mean, he he's he just retired from it. He was on ABC Radio forever. Super, super good. Did you meet him? I did not. I was there for maybe a day and a half. I was very okay. happy to meet you and uh, the people yeah. I was able to meet. Uh, Todd was my uh, partner that was on stage. That was so Todd. Todd uh, oh, Westra okay. with uh, yeah. Amplifluence. He he taught. Yeah. He's helping people learn how to take funnels and turn them into opt-in yeah. um, money-making machines. Yeah, Brad Leland. When have you ever slept? That's hilarious. <laughs> so 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 go back to so you started this. Um, you were doing this, this DJ thing. Um, that's what you did out of, after you left quit, yeah, you quit um, teaching school. Well, I, I was doing it before though. I mean, from age 18, in fact, I've only really, I haven't really even quit DJ now. I mean, when someone wants to pay me $3,000 to do their wedding, it's, it's very hard still to say no to that kind of checkbook. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. So you're still doing that. That's, that's awesome. I, I don't do it that often anymore. I do about maybe 10 a year, but okay. I, I have been mixing, um, you know, the outliers book I referred to earlier by, um, by Malcolm Gladwell, yeah. when you hit 10,000 hours, the Beatles turned into a different band. They were not the same band before they went to Germany and th did those 14 hour shifts of music. And that opened their minds and their eyes and their creativity to do anything and everything. I have done way, way over 30,000 hours of mixing. I actually know what music sounds like in my head mixed before I put it on the tables, and I don't need wow. headphones. I can mix without headphones because I already know the beats so well. Wow. And it's it's not because I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you I've used music so much. When I hear a new song, I go, oh, that would mix with about these 30 songs that I've had from my library. I, so you're very um, you're very good at left brain right brain because I understand that pretty well and I think mm -hmm. that you know music is a right brain thing but there's the technical side of mixing exactly the beats so you yeah. have to be good at, at at combining both sides simultaneously. What's That's weird is I, I write with my right hand, but yeah. I do everything else i mean i i shoot i i mean my left arm is stronger than my right arm so i, I am what? not perfectly ambidextrous but i'm pretty close to it that's I, insane. when i write left-handed i don't have an issue at all with it 
I just don't write with my left hand as much. I I can't write with my left hand. So <laughs> well, I'm trying to teach my um, son calligraphy because I, I I went through architecture, et cetera, because that fed you know the two the two brains nicely too. But I'm trying to teach him to write very intentionally because when you write intentionally, you start getting a commitment to what you were saying. So talk about the the you know where things are today like you're you know this dr smiley thing that you're doing and i i want you to to hold up any any books anything that you have to show people more about who you are and the direction of things but um you definitely are not getting on stage djing you're getting on stage talking about things so talk about what you're doing now and and why the shift well, I'll go back about 12 years ago, just briefly. My my okay. mom was diagnosed in 2005 uh, with dementia, mm-hmm. and yeah. my dad uh, took a hiatus, a sabbatical from uh, NASA, uh, NSA, I'm sorry, National Security Agency, and to take care of my mom, and I decided to follow suit, and for three years, we were caregivers. He did it full-time, I did it part-time, but I told my DJ company that they would have to do this without me, and that I was going to devote my year, which turned into three, to taking care of my dad and my mom. In doing that, I wow. I was very, very clear that I had not been living a purpose-driven life. I was very clear that if I was to die or have dementia or, or anything like that, that I didn't think I'd really accomplished any, anything in life. So I decided to design a purpose-driven life, starting with making my first book, which was this book here, Becoming, Becoming the Perfect Networker. Okay. Beca- and in and, and this side here, it got me on so many shows, it says almost 100 copies sold. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so the oh second edition, God. the second edition said under a million sold. So I was true to the ribbon or each of them. But the reason I share that with you is because I I botched this so bad. I, I, I wasted about 20 some thousand dollars, did it wrong, had 42 grammatical errors. And I actually asked God, is this a joke? I mean, for three years, I've been taking care of my mom. I now make this book and it's actually an embarrassment to my name. Um, what, what gives. And so I prayed on it. And what I came up with was, this is what authors experience when they do their first book. They don't know what they're doing. And so for $3,000, I corrected everything, republished it, sold 8,000 copies, got my money back over a three or four year period. Yeah. I've written 36 books since then. But the one that I am inviting you to, Ken, that I shared with you at the event was this baby, Dose of Hope. And yes. this is a mega mother. If you look at the first book and the newest, this is 800 wow. pages, this is about 150. So you are going to be in a book with the likes of a Jeffrey Gittimer, if you connect me to him. Uh, but yeah. we do have uh, Freeman Herbowski III, who was appointed by former President Barack Obama as a Secretary of Education for uh, underrepresented African-Americans. We have Rob Angel, who created Pictionary in here. Uh, William wow. Paul Young, who wrote The Shack, that became a movie. Frank Shankowitz, who uh, created Make-A-Wish Foundation, then also became yeah. a movie, Wish Man. My point is, it's attracting people that bring hope to the world, and that's their main mission. So they have a business, yes, but the real thing they want to do is inspire. They want to make a difference. And yeah. so this is a TED Talk that's never been done before. Um, Simon Sinek did one of the most brilliant TED Talks of all times when he did The Why. How do you get yeah. your why? But he was talking about it from a business, not necessarily from a personal, even though you could apply right. it to personal. Right. But what I found in his conversation was what was missing is you have to have your who established to have that why conversation. So 
people that don't have hope don't have their who. And so if you analyze how you create your who or how other people create their who, and you follow that template of adversity, persistence, unstoppability, challenges, they're all gifts for us to carve and, and create a who that we love. And when you create a who that you love, you can actually have a conversation with yourself that says, why am I here? What is my purpose? Because you can't do it before then. If you don't have your who developed, that's like going to a homeless person saying, tell me your purpose. I'd like to know your purpose in life. And your, so who, you have have, your who, your who, meaning who you are. Who you are. So not, the question not, I asked in the template. Not an external person, not someone no. else. So okay. the three questions are, how did you create who you are? How did you create why you are? And how did you create how you are? So how did you create a person you love being a person that you are able to share with the world? How did you create your purpose for your being so that it actually makes sense to you and it, and it gives you energy to continue to be that person? And then how does it impact the world? And the cool thing about it is the higher your who variable is, the higher your why variable and the higher your impact variable will be. It, 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 it's almost unequivocal. I have not seen any exceptions yet. So I'm attracting people that have these beautiful who's and you are certainly uh, an example of it, Ken. And I invited you to this project for that reason. This book is going to be downloaded, we're guessing, between 10 and 20 million times because someone like you that might have 75,000 people that would want a free copy of it would take it. And you get yeah. to own the book with all the other authors. So right now we have 200 authors and we ask the question, hey, Ken, who inspires you? And that person that inspires you, you give the gift of this Dose of Hope template. It's a $36,000 gift certificate. You give it to someone, you say, you inspire me. This is your gift for inspiring me. And so the book is all about how do people, how do people inspire themselves so that they can teach people uninspired how they can actually turn that switch on. And we came up with a new uh, way of describing what hope is. So in, in this dose here is dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins. That goes in your brain. Those are the chemicals that go in your brain and hope comes out of your heart hope comes out of your your being so wow. we just came up with the uh the uh abbreviation or the acronym for hope you want to hear it yes hold on pain ends hold on pain ends hope hold on o-n yep pain ends. hold on pain ends wow and, it, and it's so cool because the dose now takes care of the pain it's going to end if you can have hope that all this stuff's going to happen in your brain that allow you to believe and have faith that you can get through this you know when i i referred to i lost 378 events that was no joke i really did lose that and i did not i was not in a position to lose that that that, that many events my wife looked at me and said uh we just lost all these events what are we gonna do and i said i don't know and she says um well you don't seem very worried and i said i'm not and she says why aren't you worried i said i don't know but it was hope. I had hope in me so high that I knew something good would come from it. I didn't know what. I was completely confused. But it allowed me to go get my doctorate because I was open to the, the possibility. It allowed me to have a conversation with my son that turned into us being me having the teaching experience I always wanted to have with a pupil that actually wants to learn. You know? And wow. then he did his books. I mean, we are a different. I mean, we can look at each other and just start laughing because we have so much fun together. That's awesome, man. It's That's not just so because I'm awesome. funny looking. It's not just because I'm funny looking. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I love that. You know, I um, when I, I remember when I, I talk about this all the time, Ken, we don't know each other that well, so this isn't pre-planned. Um, I, I, I talk about this 
all the time like what what the world needs more than anything is hope and i say that all the time when i first got sober i remember sitting in meetings of alcoholics anonymous and there was a sign my wife's watching so i'm going to be careful with this that's that's <laughs> her on the screen right there where she typed that out that's so cool um but the you know I, I remember there was a sign that was always in the center of the we sat in the this circle and there was a sign in the center of the circle that said hope is found here i thought it was a, a woman i was going to meet named hope i was <laughs> like because i was single at the time i was like where's hope <laughs> like, where's, but, but, i'm ready for but, it i'm ready for it. <laughs> yeah right but um no i it's you know the that is what kept me going and and healing myself is is mm -hmm. is the search for hope not the woman but the search for hope uh I, I had this i woke up every day with this like okay i'm still alive well I'm no your, your search for the woman was because of hope and her yes name was jill. her name was jill yeah 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 amen yeah amen so true but you know I, I i think that that's something that um the world the world needs especially now more than ever yes and the cool thing about it is it's really recyclable just like a smile yeah. when you smile to someone you're saying that you're love that you're welcome that you are a collaborator that you're a thinker yeah. you're positive and what happens is that goes to that person and they give it back to you and then they give it to other people so when you have hope in your heart, you can easily tell someone that has given up, I believe in you because I have hope in you and they will actually step into their power. I've seen it happen all too often. I cannot believe we've been on here for 57 minutes already. That's insane. I, you know, I thought it was 56. I, I, I was like, it's got to be 56 by now. And it was 57. So I couldn't either. It was like one minute Sound longer. Right? I'm, I'm just kidding. I was reading it at the time. <laughs> I think, I think, um, I, I think. You know, one of one, I, I have two questions I have to ask. And, and one is based on, on your, um, this is your, about your opinion. And I will give you full screen to answer this, but the, the, what do you think the number one thing is that's this two part that's, holding people back in life from experiencing real financial success and true freedom and happiness. And, and can, I do think that they are related. I think that, that I, I, anybody that says money doesn't buy happiness has never had a lot of it. <laughs> so I'm just, that's such a terrible thing to say, but it, it's true. I mean, it, it is true. I know, I know they're related because I have been, I've been homeless and broke and I've been extremely wealthy and extremely wealthy is much better. So, so what do you think is holding people back? What's the number one thing? So, um, that is the question. And I, for my son's sake, I created a diagram book and the diagram book says a way of explaining life in diagrams. And okay. I started off with the very first diagram because it was a B abundance and had i learned this diagram when i was a kid i'd probably be extremely wealthy and it is that you have a circle a circle and that circle represents abundance and inside that circle is expenses so when your expenses are smaller than your 
uh, income, you are experiencing abundance. You do not think, how am I going to make it through? So had I had that, I would have never gone into debt. If you take the opposite of what probably 90% of Americans experience, their expense circle is outside of their income circle. And so they're always in scarcity. They're always thinking, how am I going to get through this? I don't have the money for it. I can't afford it. Mm. We can teach kids at a very early age to keep their abundance circle outside their expense circle and they will thrive. And that is the number one problem I think we have in America with regard to having a state of abundance, having discipline and causing ourselves to have a life we love. That is number one. Number two is gratitude. When we do not have gratitude, we do not give thanks to the gifts we have. And what we do with the universe is we attract more gifts. So when we do not have gratitude and we're complaining and we're feeling entitled, what we're doing is attracting the fact that complaints will continue to happen. They will be attracted to us and the reality will be achieved. And so we have just sabotaged our ability to have a life we love and that is happy. I think that, again, something else that I talk a lot about is that energy. Because mm-hmm. if you if you want to shift, I love Dr. Joe Dispenza and and the work that he's doing. Um, you know, when if you want to have a mindset shift, you have to you have to f- change your consciously change what your unconscious is sabotaging in your life. Exactly, one hundred percent. Right, and you know, uh, on gratitude is is the number one thing. Totally. And it is, it is such a beautiful gift that gratitude gives us more to be grateful for. And that's the same thing, the smile I'm smiling. I get smiles back. It's they're coming back to me. So I want to say something about partnership because when we do this alone, we fight this battle of consistency, which is very hard to fight. So integrity falls out at some point. So when we can't be consistent with frequency like this and we're alone, we fall off the, the wagon. Sometimes we fall off the ability to be a machine. And we're not supposed to do this alone. We're supposed to do this in partnership. And I want to say that I came up with this definition of partnership soon after my mom passed. And it has held true for 12 years that I have the best partnerships now. So, Ken, we're going to have a dialogue right now like we're becoming partners. It's a very short dialogue. And the dialogue, when it's received from you and given back to me with an agreement, we are in a partnership that will be not only sustainable, it will lead to us both having massive abundance. Are you ready for this? Yep. Ken, I would like to create a partnership with you. We're going to have a verbal agreement, if that's okay with you, that we will compete to unconditionally give more to the other. Is that acceptable to you? Perfectly acceptable. No matter what we sell, no matter what we do, we will both compete to unconditionally give more to the other. Love that. I love that. So my partnerships have been fantastic. And they've led to attracting people like you to be able to say, I would love to have you in my book. You know... This is not a sales game. If you get people to buy into a a concept like this, you are actually being given the gift. When you say, Ken, I would like to share my story in this, you've given me the gift, not just yourself and not just the world, but you've told me, I had Rob Angel with, uh, who did Pictionary. Eight, nine years, he tried to get that game to be taken, you know, as a, as a product and he finally got it, but it was his persistence. And I said to him, you know, you're so amazing, Rob. You've you went the channel. You didn't stop. You got this game, 43 million games sold. Why did you say yes to doing this? Because you don't know me that well. And he says, Because it's you, Ken. And I was like, that hit me. That hit me. Wow. Because I was worthy of his time. Same with William Paul Young. I met him for coffee. I mean, one of the biggest dudes in religion conversation. And 
I said, you know, with what you've done for the world, I would be so honored to have you part of this. He said, let me think about it. He thought about it and he said, yes. Wow. Yeah. Mind blowing. Incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. I, I, you showed me a lot of um, pictures in that book when, when yeah. we met. I, I was taken aback a little bit when you approached me. I was like, we were out in the hallway at the, and I was like, well, what do we do? Like, <laughs> I need a picture of you. And I'm well, like, you, you had an unfair advantage, Ken. I knew your name was Ken. You did not know my name was Ken. So this is actually, this is actually true. This is, this is the true deal. I saw you and I was like a shark. I said, I have got to say hello to this guy. I'm not going to be here, but another day I have to say hello to him and let him know that my name is Ken as well. And that I, I would like to know if you'd like to be in a book because I already knew that you were a speaker, a leader at the event. You didn't know that about me. So I, I did have to kind of attack. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> no, it was awesome, man. I love, I love it. Looking back now, it's like, wow, that's pretty cool. That happened that way. So, so I think, um, the, so the other, other question I, I have, um, you know, when this whole, this whole thing with lockdowns and pandemics and all the insanity that's been happening for the last couple of years, um, I, that's why I love your acronym for hope. Um, because, you know, suicide skyrocketed on planet earth, not just in the U S but globally. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have a friend that, that runs the suicide hotline for, for the state and, and, you know, I, the numbers, their numbers just tenfold or more. I mean, it was insane. And, yeah. and so for the people who are watching that, that feel like, and I've been there, man, so many different times in life where you feel like you've done everything you know how to do and it just isn't working out. And, and you're losing hope, um, you know, for those people that are barely hanging on right now that um, don't know which way to go, what do you say to them to, to, to help? Because you do know the pain's going to end eventually. Mm -hmm. yep. um, but what do you say to them to help them get through this moment to the next? So some of this is going to be self-serving. Um, I designed this book because there are 500 authors when it's all said and done. There's 12 parts, 800 pages each. The wow. idea is that you get a dose a day. So for 500 days, you can get one dose a day from somebody who has possibly, probably been in worse circumstances, had way more to overcome than you. And so if they could do it, you can do it too. So that's number one. Number two, it is okay. You know, kids watch a Disney movie over and over and over again. Do you know why they do that, Ken? They like it they know what's going to happen next. It's the certainty that they get. So uh, the first time a child watches a movie, they're not sure what's going to happen. So they're just kind of in it. But then they, at the end, they go, I think I like that. And as they watch again, they grow to love it because they can always know what's going to happen next. And they get certainty, they get comfort, they get confidence. Mm. So I actually, every week, every single week, I will watch a movie I've watched before that inspires me. And I do it because I need that dopamine. I need, I need to see that invincible. I need to see that Invictus. I need to see... That character that played in real life, the impossible dream. I just watched um, American Underdog, a Kurt Warner story. Amazing. One of the best movies out right now, Kurt Warner. I bought it for $20 pre, you know, from Amazon. And, you know, my wife is not so excited when I'll buy $20 for a rental. I said, I'm buying this. I want this. I want the juice. And American it was worth Underdog. Underdog about Kurt Warner. He's the only person in the NFL that did not get drafted 
and became a two-time MVP Super Bowl winner. He did not. He didn't get drafted in the NFL. Oh, wow. He came back into the NFL many years later. So many years later that they were like, "What are you doing here?" It was like it was actually like watching The Natural with uh, Robert Redford when he comes wow. back after all those years and plays phenomenal baseball. And wow. that was not a true story. Kurt Warner's story is unbelievably inspirational. So my second part of this answer is your hope is down, your smiles and your laughter down. It really is equal. You've got to get things that get you to smile and don't have phony gratitude talks, but reach out to people you care about and say, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Because when you care about other people and they yeah. care about you, that becomes the warmth of you actually have hope. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful, man. It's powerful. I'm going to watch American underdog. You got to, you got to. Yeah. I, 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 your money back. If you don't like it, I'm, I'm that sure. In fact, I will uh, say that you're going to love it so much. You're probably going to say, you want to meet Jeff Lynn? We are putting you in touch right now. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, do you know Jeffrey Gittimer? I, I don't know him uh, with a phone number. I know him because I, I have bought all his all his books. I have been okay. to one of his events back in nineteen. I mean, uh, two thousand nine or ten. Okay. He came out to Baltimore. I love the guy. I mean, he's fantastic. Yeah. But uh, yeah. we we unfortunately do not have a relationship at this point. Well, I can uh, I can make that introduction, <laughs> Jeffrey. Well, I'd love to have him on my show. My, and by the way, Ken, after you complete your story. Uh, about yeah. your hope story, I would like to bring you on my show, Voice America Influencer Channel. And uh, we, we've had some amazing people on our show, and you will be just one more person that fits in that that beautiful leader. So it's a, it's a conversation. It's called Amplifying Life. So it's yeah. Amplifying the Life of Leaders that Cause Community Inspire Hope. That's the conversation we have. That's awesome, man. Let me ask you a question. I want to put it up on the, on the screen. What is your website address? Um, we have... Amplifluence, amplifluence.com. Excuse me. And and we have the keep smiling movement.com. And bless you. The keep the keep smiling movement.com. Movement and then ampla A M P L I F L U E N C E Amplifluence.com. Well, I can only put one up. So I'm gonna okay. yeah, the, sure. The, I'm gonna put the keep smiling movement.com. And Perfect. have that scrolling across the bottom. Is that it? Awesome. That's it. That's it. Okay. You did. You um, did. You done it good, and you spelled the three W's perfectly too. I mean, I'm I'm going. Whoa, 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 whoa. Duh, keep smiling. Baby. I know, right? <laughs> so, 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 Ken, you are an amazing human doing. Um, you're doing a lot of amazing things, and I, 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 I love, um, I love the science side of your brain. Believe it or not. Um, I, I love the movement that you've created and, and that you're growing. Um, are there any other words of encouragement, um, that you would leave the audience with today before we end this? Yes. Uh, thank you for that. First of all, everyone is, um, encouraged to get the template, uh, for dose of hope, because it is a great opportunity for you to fill out your story to share your story and to inspire others. If you send it to the Keep Smiling Movement, we will certainly entertain publishing it. It is no cost to be in this book, as I'd mentioned. But here's the big thing to embark to you. If you do not have an inspiring story to write about your life, choose to do that. Choose to change your life so it inspires you that you can write about your inspiring life to inspire others. When you do not have an mm -hmm. inspiring life, it is a hard thing to take in, but you chose that. So I, I, 
I plead with you to step into your power because all of us are probably a hundred times more powerful than we think we are. Every time that I've had some type of challenge, by the way, I didn't speak on this on the show, but this book came out of an eviction notice that I received from my studio that I'd had for 37 years, paid over a half million dollars for that studio. There just wasn't enough money coming in from all those events disappearing. And I decided to pray to God to keep my studio. I got a download from God, Dose of Hope, got the cover, hired someone to do it. I thought 100, 800 page book was going to at least make a little dent in the problem. I did two, two 800 page books in two weeks. $12,000 was donated to my smile movement. It went to my landlord and I had Christmas. So uh, it was Christmas night, 24th of December. I was supposed to be evicted. So wow. it was like a Hollywood story. Crazy. Wow. So there's always hope. There is always hope. And if you choose hope, you'll find that it's there for you. That's the cool thing about it. You, people that give up, I mean, every single uh, conversation, I, uh, you know, a, gr a great movie to watch about hope is The Darkest Hour about Winston Churchill. Phenomenal movie. I did not know that he was ostracized. He was not the pick for the people or the, the cabinet or the politicians. He was really an outlier. Do you know why they picked him? It, it's a weird reason. They picked him. And no one wanted this job at that point. This is when England was pretty much going to cave in and it was going to be, they had made bad decisions about trusting Hitler. And so they picked him because Hitler was afraid of Winston Churchill. And wow. everyone else that was being considered was too much of a softy was going to try and have peace talks with Hitler. And that was never going to work. Winston Churchill knew it would never work. He knew the people's wow. voice. And he said, if we succumb and have peace talks, we will lose our identity as Englishmen. Are you willing to allow that to happen? They said, we'd rather die. And so he, he decided to be the prime minister in the voice of the people saying, oh, we would rather die than give our lives to Hitler. Wow. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Dr. Smiley, Ken <laughs> Roshan, you, my friend, are a rock star. I, 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 I'm blown away by this interview. Like I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised, quite frankly. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very thrilled about it. So Ken, thank you so much for, for investing your time with everyone here. Um, for those who are watching still, you have the opportunity to redeem yourself. If you did not share this out, um, please. And my look, my wife is thanking me, or maybe she's thanking you. <laughs> it could be either. It could be both. That's it could cool. be either. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you're she, welcome. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. And by the way, it should be an S at the end of Ken. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, Ken, you're awesome. Can I man. can I say a Ken word to uh, to make the show kind of have a wrap up yeah, a little bit? Please. In this book here, which I'm happy to give away as an ebook. There is actually, and you're not going to believe this, but it's 100% true. There is a conclusion. I love it. I love and so, it. Love it love yeah, it. so we got, we got, you see Duncan, Duncan Donuts, and oh, Heine, wow. Heine Ken. <laughs> wow. So I you just know, wanted to I thank had you a, as well. I, I had a VA that came up with a great hashtag. You're not allowed to use it, by the way. It's, okay. Hashtag I can do it. That's great. <laughs> is that great? <laughs> That's a wonderful one. That is. You're like I'm one. using that. It's well, I, I can I, do only it only with your permission, sir. Of I did. You. I did a. 
I did something called hashtag hashtag. I had the hashtag and I had hashtag after it and I had people hold it up and they were like, what does this mean? I go, I don't know, but it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny. Oh man. All right, Ken, thank you so much. I'm going to end the live stream. If you would stay with me and we'll finish up, but everybody who watched, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And thank you for all the shares and Ken, thank you. Make sure you go follow this guy everywhere on social media, by the way. You're you're everywhere, man. I love that. Omnipresence. That's that's what it's all about. So thank you. Have a great thank day, you. and we'll see you guys later. Thanks so much, Ken. Thank you, Ken.